What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the In the Paint Show. Your co-host Ronnie Flores with my co-host Ani Umana. I'm Ani. How's it going? We're 125. Times is going by. You know what I thought this week? It just seemed like a normal week. I mean, we had the live period, but nothing, nothing too crazy. Did you did you see notice that? Just we got to this date and everything seems okay. Yeah, nothing too crazy. Uh, even the live period just. Yeah. Just didn't have this was like the first April live period in a long time, but I didn't it didn't give me live period vibes. It gave me like yeah. uh you know typical summer basketball weekend. I don't know. Yeah. Just, Something new. I know what you mean. We'll talk yeah. about that. And I think I know the vibe you're talking about. I think that's shared by a lot of people. Um, it wasn't the buzz maybe that we've had before for various reasons. We right. talked about it last week with the transfer portal. And those type of things, you know, it's just a different feel. It's been a while, but, you know, uh, we got back into it. You were at an event. Ani, where were you at? What event in what city? So I was at the Gasso in Dallas. I stayed okay. locally. I had uh, – I watched a lot of uh, EYBL on, on okay. the live stream. Online. Okay. And yeah. then uh, I had my I had uh, my guy, Mark Cooper. He worked for me. So he's he lives out in Orlando. So – uh, oh, okay. so that was he, yeah, it was perfect. Like, you know, I got a, you know, he has a good eye, but he young. So, you know, I had to look <laughs> at it myself, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was in, I was in Dallas and Orlando at the same time, basically this weekend. How about you? Good, good. Yeah. I was in, uh, the Pangos sweet 16 and the Jerry Mullins Juco event. And, you know, we talked a little bit about Juco, but it was a solid event and there was a good high school talent and mostly in the younger divisions it wasn't overwhelming you know again i think that's what we kind of the gist of what we got into is like it wasn't overwhelming for various reasons and we're going to maybe talk with a guest about that and, and we'll talk amongst ourselves why it wasn't over overwhelming and i think we kind of touched on it last week and just in terms of the you know what's going on in college basketball but let's jump to high school basketball and um calvary christian as expected, Fab 50 number seven dominates the first state champions invitational. So in the semifinal, they beat Sidwell Friends 58-37. And then they beat Auburn, Washington, who made the final. Auburn looked really good in the semifinal. Auburn beat Norcross. Auburn came in 31. Auburn uh 58-37. Norcross was number 48. Very interesting. Norcross was missing its best player, uh, Ani. And you know, that that kind of L- London Johnson, he's their leading scorer. He, he was at the Nike Hoop Summit. And uh, we could talk a little bit about that, too. The U.S. team won. But we kind of want to jump in the, as expected, Calvary Christian dominates. So after the semifinal games, they, they played Auburn and ran away with it. I mean, they just stepped it up big time. Auburn, 71 to 44. So they, they really pulled away toward the end. Uh, you know, Auburn played a terrific game in the semifinals. I got to really give them credit. Uh, they uh, they just executed really well. And in that whole game, let me see if I can pull up the stat. They, you know, Auburn had um, assisted on their first, I believe, 18 buckets. Let me double check that. Really? Yes. 
let me double check that real quick. Make sure I'm not not talking uh talking, you know, and not knowing what I'm saying. But yeah, they and then in the final, my point would be in the final when they went up against the length and size of Calvary, like it was way different. It was way different. They didn't they didn't have that. Okay, it was the first 14 field goals. I'm sorry. And they had 25 field goals for the game. They assisted on 20 of them and had three turnovers for Sidwell friends. Well, here's their number against Auburn. 13 turnovers, 12 assists. Oh, wow. Because, again, the Auburn jumped out at 18-4 lead, 24-5, to and, and just never really looked back. They're, they look like uh, a Fab 50 top 10 team. They finished number seven. They couldn't go any higher because – they lost to Monverde on a on a three pointer by Sky Clark, Illinois. New Illinois commit Sky Clark hit a three at the buzzer, and number six IMG Academy beat Monverde twice. So there was just really nowhere for Calvary to go. But like they're legitimately a top ten team. So based on that, you know, what did you make of it, Highline? Like you kind of figure. I know you kind of figured Calvary was going to win, but what do you think about like just having high school teams on TV? Like is it is it you know, when you watch a, a just a regular high school team, a team that were not loaded with talent, sometimes it looks, you know, it's on national TV and you're like, well, the, you know, the I don't know what the fans probably think, especially the general fans, like, whoa, what, you know, is this, what, what is this? So, you know, what's your high take of that? Or do you think all high school basketball being promoted is good? Uh, <clears throat> well, the, the, these games, I mean, Calvary just kind of blew, blew both teams out. So, I like it, obviously, for the exposure for the kids, but ain't nobody trying to watch no 30-point blowout, especially when there's no, like, high, high-level kids. I mean, Calvary has really good talent. Yeah, sure. I don't know what the viewership was for that. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't say, you know, it was just blown away. Um, we talked prior to the show just about, like, after Geico, it's yeah. just the excitement just not really there, uh, you know, for like a high school game like that, and especially for games that are just so so. Like, there's no, even though Bronny James isn't like a five star kid, but like you know, just there's no Bronny James, there's no like Derek Lively, or you know, like a big time five star kid on TV. It's just like watching it. I mean, it's very similar. Like if Indiana Pacers played the Orlando Magic, <laughs> right on national TV Sunday game, yeah, yeah, like. It's cool they got a national TV game, but how many people other than their local fans are really watching, you know? Correct. Yeah, the timing is a little different. Well, I kind of related to – I think it's a great concept. Obviously, we had Rashid Ghazi, the event uh, creator, a few weeks ago on the pod. But I kind of look at it as, you know, it's a great concept, just needs tweaking. Right. It's kind of like having – like you said, Geico was a good event. It's always a pretty good event. There's an 18 field. This is a 14 field and it was two blowouts for the for the Calvary Christian. But it's like having the NIT after the NCAA tournament. It's just like a hangover. Yeah. You have to make some adjustments of when it is. Obviously, you want to keep getting better teams. See, I'm a junkie. So I'm I'd rather watch a high school game on TV than any any level because I like the high school level. But I know from the standpoint of like the average fan. They're probably looking at the game like, eh, let me change to see what Tiger's doing on the Masters or right. let me watch the news or let me go watch a college event or I'm going to get out of the house. It's a nice spring day. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a grassroots season. It's it's getting late in the 
high school season. So it's, it's the timing, the level of talent. And again, when you've already built in Geico after 12 or 13 years, that's a nice, uh, you know, yearly thing that the high school fan looks forward to on college weekend. Even some college fans are probably watching Geico, you know, right. like, oh, yeah, they, they know those are going high level players are going to their favorite college, but to get, a, you know, teams in my fat 50 that are 31, 48, you know, uh, 15, 18, 25, you're like, I could see people be like, eh, it's okay. I missed it. It's not a big deal. <laughs> right. Right. No, I, I agree with you hundred yeah. uh, percent. Eat like saying Geico, there were so many players that uh, yeah. are going to schools of the, the yeah. college fans, you know? Wow. And so like you, and you had a really high level games. I mean, you talk about yeah. top 10 top, you know, like the top yeah. teams in the country where yeah. when you're talking about like other than Calvary, who's highly ranked, everybody else is in thirties and forties, you know, for, like for me, I want to go back and watch it, right? Yeah. Like you watched it, but like, correct. Casual fan, like no one's. Yeah, the casual fan's not going to go back and say, "Hey, let me DVR that," and I, I really want to catch that game. I, I think the only time, I think the only time it actually really does something if it's like a real high level game, it goes to OT, game winning shot, then like yeah. you promote it, and then people want to go watch it. But other than that, it's just it's just hard to get a lot of viewership on that. Yeah, they're going to move on. So yeah, so that's a. Good start to the event. Obviously, they probably wanted a little higher level. Like you said, Bishop Gorman. I, I thought Liberty should have been there. Liberty versus Calvary would have been fine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> should have been there. So, again, they, they they did it. Calvary finished number seven. So, there wasn't much difference between Sidwell friends and, and Auburn. Auburn did look better. But here's the thing. Um, with Sidwell friends, they uh, – only lost one other game to Archbishop Carroll in overtime, but they had beat uh, Bishop McNamara from uh, the WCAC with Dematha and Paul the Six and all those. So they couldn't drop too far. So they dropped to twenty three. Bishop McNamara, I dropped them a little bit because I, you know, Sidwell Friends was definitely a step behind Calvary. Like they're not on their level. You know, <laughs> no, no. So, no. So, so so they dropped to twenty from twenty to twenty six. And Auburn just drops five spots. They were at 31, so they're at 36. And I just left Norcross at 48 in the final rankings. Again, they didn't have their best player. Norcross didn't really play that well. Georgia teams weren't really – Georgia public school teams weren't really that great this year. I mean, I know Norcross got in. They were the, you know, Class 7A champs. But they weren't, uh, you know. Yeah, they were a step below. Yeah, they weren't as good as those Sharif Cooper teams from a few years ago and a few other – we've seen over the years you know the milton team again the milton team that would have been healthy you know last year milton was really good and until they, you know they ran into the pal two of their players got in real big trouble but they were a really great team you know so there it wasn't to that level this year so again calvary did what they could they performed well uh university of central florida taylor Hendricks, mvp 24 and 12 in the semifinal over sidwell 13, 5, and 3 in the win over Auburn. All five starters went for double figures against Auburn. They're still going to be pretty good next year. So we'll, we'll, we'll be watching those. But like you mentioned, close games uh, was kind of the theme of the season, not really necessary this event. And Geico's had some close games. And the Geico field, like you said, had, you know, five or six of the top ten. And because Duncanville – beat Montverde, the Geico champs. They're the national champs. We kind of knew that last week, but uh, now they're officially the national champs. 
So I wanted to get your take on it, uh, Ani. This, they're the third public school national champ in seven years. We got yeah. uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s team, Hale, with Brandon Roy when he coached at Garfield. And uh, I'm sorry, Nathan Hale before he went over to Garfield. He was at Nathan Hale High School with, with Michael Porter Jr. and John Tate Porter. That was 217. And then in, they had beat uh, Sierra Canyon with Marvin Bagley at, at, in Oregon, Le Schwab. And, and Sierra Canyon had beat sent, sent, uh, the Geico champ to their only loss, which was La Lamere. Really good La Lamere team with Tugs Bowen and our guy in Memphis. What's our guy's name, the forward in Memphis? Uh, the, the La, yeah, I can't think of it. Jerry Sam? Jackson Jr. Yes, right. That's right. They that's had right. a good team. And they had Poole. Right, from the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. They, they sure did. Really good team, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I remember that team. That team was loaded. Yeah, Lalamere had a really good team, but again, they lost to Nathan Hale with Michael Porter, beat Sierra Canyon, and Sierra Canyon beat uh, Lalamere at Hoop Hall. So they're the champs. And then the previous year we had Chino Hills, which we all know about the famous team. Right. Yeah, Run GMZ, we call them. You know, Lonzo Mello, Zoe. Jello, Mellow, and Zoe. <laughs> so those guys, that's three in seven years. So maybe that gives hope to the state champions invitational. They, if they add a Texas, add California, add a few more, like they can have a really big, big event. What, what do you think about that? Again, three out of seven ain't bad. Everybody's like, oh, Geico's going to dominate. Montverde's, those teams are too good. Uh, maybe not. You know what I mean? What, what do you think about that? They're very – those teams are very beatable. But like you said, like if you added like a Duncanville, if Liberty's in there, you yeah. get this t- you get some of the top like yeah. public school teams in there, yeah. like from different states because I know it only – right now this state invitation only covers a certain amount yeah. of states. You get all those states, you get a Duncanville, Liberty, and all these other teams. Yeah. Like it can compete with the guy go. It may – yeah. Geico's just been around what 13 years now? Yeah. 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 You, you know, you're not you're not gonna get it by year two or year three. But yeah. you know, four or five, now yeah. it's like a real viable, like, hey, like this is a must-watch, you know. Correct. Uh Correct. Well, you know, we spent probably about like seven minutes uh previewing uh the invitational this uh yeah. this show, you yeah. know. You had the top teams. I mean, shit, you're talking about we have a whole, <laughs> a whole section, we'll have you know. A whole rundown of it. Yeah. I mean, on this one, all we're saying is Calvary dominated, Marvell Allen, Taylor Hendricks, you know, those whole, that whole group they got, which is a, a hell of a group, you know, and it's right. like, but yeah, we're not going to spend too, too much time on it. You know, right. Greg Glenn, Michigan, you know, uh, Brendan Lawrence, Florida Atlantic. Yeah, throw the Atlantic, you know, so they, they got a squad. And, and then, you know, um, just for me, like you said, these teams are beatable. Uh, yeah. the, the Oak Hills, um, you know, Link here is emerging and uh, Sunrise, and those teams are beatable from these public schools teams. I like we got, like you said, Duncanville's number one this year. Like, if you yeah. get these type of teams, I think it makes it makes it better. But for year one, like you said, it's it's, it's, it's good, but. I think you can have something that's really viable, you know, for especially for the public schools. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully they keep growing it. We don't want to uh, beat the drum. But, of course, how Duncanville got into number one, they started seven, and then they went to five. By the time they played, see, by the time they played Montverde, and everybody says, oh, well, they're playing in district. <laughs> yeah, but by the time they played Montverde, when they beat Montverde on the three-point shot by Demings, 67-66, 
They had already beat six Fab 50 ranked teams. That was their 10th game. So in 10 games, they played six ranked teams. So like they were already preparing for that. You know what I mean? Right. They were preparing for a run at number one. And they knew that Monverde game was the big game. Uh, Derek White had played really well that game. I mean, he just kept Monverde. I remember, um, you know, that he had some big shots. But, uh, you know, they, they beat uh, Centennial. Yeah. Uh, they beat, obviously, the team that beat Richardson. Uh, 54-52, they beat Richardson in the regional quarterfinals. McKinney, they beat him by 20, which the game you were at. It wasn't even close. Yeah, so, you know, to give a shout-out to them, they're the third team, like I said, in seven years to finish number one. Well-deserving David Peavy's program. We had him on the show a couple weeks ago talking about the team. Go check out that episode. I believe it's 122, 123. Uh, you know, Duncan is the third UIL program in 20 years. Dallas Lincoln in 2001-2002 with Chris Boss and Yates, the high-scoring Yates team that even scored more points than Chino Hills. 2009-2010 with Joe Young. So when you were in 11th grade then, Ani, what did you remember about the Joe Young-Yates team? What year was that? 2009-2010. Uh, yeah, I was I was a junior. I was a junior. That team, I mean, there was YouTube. They were, all, they were big on YouTube. That's when YouTube was really like with basketball yeah. highlights. It was yeah. starting to really come on. Um, and so I remember just watching, like, Joe Young, seeing how fast they played. Like, yeah. they played yeah. so ridiculously fast. And I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm in high school. I'm like, Coach, yeah. can we play this fast? Like, I'm like, you know, like, No, you guys don't have the horses. <laughs> no. That's what he said. He said, he's on, you'd be tied after two trips down. And I was just like, you know, I was mad, but yeah. – yeah. You know, he, he he wasn't lying. Like, yeah, yeah I, I just remember how fast they played. They would shoot yeah. threes. Like, they would cross half court, jacking it. Like, oh, just yeah. dunks, oops. I mean, they were – You, it wasn't even real because I was in Tyler, Texas. So, Houston's like three and a half yeah. hours away. I never got to see him in person. Yeah. But just the videos, you're just like, how is this real? Like, this yeah. – like, the way they played was so wild. Yeah, yeah. And they had a full court press and they brought mm -hmm. guys in. So, yeah, you know, they they subbed a lot. Um, shout out to Greg Wise, who's the coach at Yates. They had Joe Young, obviously, who, who signed with Providence. I think he ended up at Oregon. Brandon Peters Correct. went to Western Kentucky. Darius Gardner, Stephen F. Austin. I mean, that team, that, that team had some rollers. So, oh. shout out to them. Shout out to the UIL. Yeah. <laughs> Third time, three championships in 20 years is, is really good. That's really good. And that Duncanville team is going to be loaded yeah. uh, next year. I mean, yeah, well, not yeah. having A.B. Sykes in them, but you got Demings, you got Ron Holland, you got Ashton Hardaway, yeah. um, Cameron Barnes. You got some young guys that got a kid that's been playing pretty good. He's a 2025. They got some young pieces coming up yeah. that uh, can fill some roles. Yeah. The uh, I want to give a shout out to to uh, we've been talking about a lot about the old guys, but you're right. You know this this group, uh, a lot of guys average about nine points a game. Demings, Hardaway, Camp Barnes, six points. Sykes, Davion Sykes, a senior, uh, nine and five, and then uh, offensive MVP for the district, eleven six eight was Anthony Black, the McDonald's All American, thirteen points, fifty eight percent from the field. He shot, and then the Player of the year in the district is Ron Holland, 15 points, leading score, 60% from the field, eight rebounds a game, two steals. So how is, uh, in your opinion, how's is Ron Holland in the running for, like, is he a top three player? Is he a top five player? Where is Ron Holland in this group right now? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he's in contention for number one, which is, uh, you know, just production um, everywhere from Dunkville, even in the first live period. I mean, against J.J. Taylor's group, he had 22 and eight. Uh, he just he's moving more like a three. So, you know, one of the things about Ron is like they yeah. say he's like a post. I think he his perimeter games improved. He's shooting it better. He's moving more like a yeah. like a three man. Uh, but he rebounds at a high level, plays at a high motor. I think he's in contention for one. I wouldn't give him number one, but yeah. he's definitely top three. Um, and he just keeps getting better. That kid's like a workhorse. Um, yeah, yeah so like I definitely think top three. Okay, that's great. You know, I'm I'm happy for him. Let's uh, and, and we'll move on and talk about those guys. Obviously, uh, there's two cal- there's two guys that everybody's talking about. One's in Texas, one's from California. It's like they're blowing up. I mean, AJ Johnson, I've known about for Jalen Green Elite for a long time. I've known mm-hmm. him, uh, you know, probably in sixth grade, maybe even younger. I've seen him at camps. He's been to a lot of things. I've known, and then. Tell us about the kid in Texas that everybody thinks is. Oh, Zayden High. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Zayden High. Who? So Zayden High. They played in uh those the season ticket had an event. We talked. Yeah. I, I remember we talked about it last week, and uh, he yeah. was really good. Uh, he grew like three inches. I haven't seen Zayden in a minute because he's just missed on Valley in San Antonio. Like I ain't going okay. down there. Yeah, um, and, and, <laughs> and so he's grown like three inches, taller. Yeah. He's shooting the piss out of it. He's, you know, he's dunking, he's dunking it. Always been a high level passer, can put the ball on the floor. And uh, like when I watched him last week, I was like, hold on. I was telling people, I was like, he's top three in the state of Texas. I think he's a top 50 national ranked kid. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I got a lot of resistance from that. I got, I got a lot of resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was like, it was one weekend, right? But yeah, I was, like, oh, slow down, slow down. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, don't be a prisoner in the moment, Ani. Don't be a prisoner in the moment. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. I don't. So I was like, so seeing it this weekend, uh, that it was the same thing, and now it's like, oh, he's a five star, you know, blah blah blah. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm not the one to go on Twitter and say I told y'all, right? Yeah. But it's like, come on now, yeah. Like it's not it's not hard to evaluate when a kid is six nine, yeah, a good athlete and can shoot the piss out of it. It's kind of it's not. <laughs> Yeah, that, that sounds like hard. a really good athlete. Yeah, and a really good prospect. It's like right. six nine can shoot and move, and is growing and is still getting better. Right. What are we talking about here? You're right. Yeah. So that's very AJ Johnson was always a. Uh, he's from Fresno originally mm-hmm. area. Uh, he came down to Southern California to play at Taft at Woodland Hills. He always had the look in the field. He's a point guard, but. He just was a little physically weak during COVID, like about a year and a half ago. I saw him at a few events, and he couldn't get by guys very well. He'd get stood up. He'd get jammed up. He couldn't turn the corner like he wanted to. Oh, okay. Now he is, and now he can get by guys. He's, now he's like 6'4", right? And everybody's like, oh, look at him, you know. And he, He's got to work on his game, but he's still – he's getting offers from everywhere now. In the last did you know – did you know – did you feel like he was going to be a high major player? Like, Yeah, yeah, I felt like he was going to be a high major the whole time because he's a point guard and he was six one and real lanky so you know mm-hmm. he's just a little again like i said he's physically able to compete with the high level guys now and and now he's playing above the rim now and now people see a six four six five guard and they're just oh they, 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 <laughs> they, 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 they love length and in length so much it's like okay relax you know but 
Right. Those two guys have kind of stepped to the forefront a little bit. I'm sure there's some others. I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna mention some others, but uh, you know, let's let's switch gears before we talk about the first spring live period in two years, which is our main in the paint topic. We want to probe a little bit, probe the paint a little bit. Uh, you know, Tiger Woods that, that happened this weekend, and yeah. he got off to a strong start at the Masters. And you know what everybody's thinking? Oh my God, this is going to be one of the greatest comebacks ever. Right. <laughs> the, the storybook. Oh God, you know that man almost killed himself during COVID in a car accident. What's wrong with him? He's, you know, this he's never going to come back. Forget a major, he's never going to even come back. Then he's like in Masters. Then he kind of faltered. He looked like he tired. He slowed down. He, he uh, shooting foul. I think he shot 78 in his last round, finished 47th, but he, he kind of uh, tailed off. But I mean, what were you hearing the chatter? I, I know you didn't watch much of it, but like, it's just Tiger, just the only thing interesting in golf. Like nobody's talking about the champion and he's playing terrific golf. You know, yeah, what, what, no. what do you think about that? Yeah, no, it's, it's all about Tiger. I mean, if Tiger, if Tiger, because I think he ended up like 47th or. Yeah, 47. If he would have ended top 10, they wouldn't give a damn about the champion. They barely give a damn about the champion now. <laughs> uh, oh. But I think, um, I just think, you know, golf's had to stay where you, I think this weekend show like how much they wanting a Tiger comeback. They want that storyline. Uh, I don't think they really were finding it. Uh, this weekend, I think the winner's from Dallas. Uh, is he from Dallas? Uh, maybe don't quote me on that. Well, we're on the show, but like, I think so. Uh, uh, but you know, no one's really talking about him. Yeah, no, that's uh, unfortunate because he's he's playing, he played really well. I saw his numbers, it was, it was really good. I mean, I was following it. I mean, anytime I followed it, it was just Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods. Even when he wasn't playing good that next day, it was still Tiger Woods. So, like you said, I think just golf is trying to find that storyline. Yeah, Scotty Scheffler. And, uh, man, he's been playing a really good golf game the last – like he's won. He's won the fourth player over the last 50 years with four PGA Tour wins in a single season before the end of April. I mean, that's – he won the Masters. He won the match play. He won the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He won the Phoenix Open. Like these are – PGA Tour wins. It's like it's not even May first. This guy right. is just like, that's incredible. He's a young guy, and people barely know his name. So they're <laughs> looking for Tiger. Oh, come on, Tiger! <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, you know, Tiger's getting up there. He's I think forty six now. Mm-hmm. So he's the same age as Jack Nicholas when he won his last <clears throat> Masters in nineteen eighty six. Maybe he, maybe Tiger can win one more. Even the one he won a couple years ago was incredible. Now. Because right, of all right. the things that happened when he got his injury and his 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 marriage fell apart, it was all public. But you know, we'll we'll see. I guess we'll we'll see if he has another run in him. Uh, you know that that that, that was kind of like the big non basketball story. Do you uh, think he can win another one? Oh uh, man, mm, I want to say no, but then I didn't think he was going to win the sixteenth major by winning Masters. But again, right. he has more injuries now. He's two years older. He's getting older. It's not like he's getting older. The oldest guy ever to win the Masters, like I said, Jack Nicholas is 46, so that's Tiger's age now. So is he going to win the Masters or another major in the late 40s? Even if he wasn't injured, that wouldn't be that easy. Right. You know, 46 is who? Let's start getting ready for the senior PGA Tour. You know, some guys played on the – again, I'm no golf expert, but I think they play on the 
senior PGA by like early fifties. Right. Some guy, you know. So mm-hmm. We'll see, but uh, I, you know, I I think there should be more talk about Sheffield and the other golfers. Like, there's some stories out there. Find them. Kind of like right. our <laughs> about the WNBA. Like, quit talking about Sue Bird and Lisa Leslie and start talking about. <laughs> Right. The media, the media, and the media like forgets how powerful they are. You know, like yeah, Yeah. bring out some other stories for sure. So, let's uh jump gears and talk a little bit about uh you know we'll talk. We're gonna have a big playoff preview. What do you think about the play? And obviously, the Lakers didn't make it. There, that's the big chatter right now. But we'll get into that with Chelsea next week because I know she's that she's really invested in that. And we'll have Chelsea back on talk about the NBA playoffs. Just want to touch base on it. What's your t- play? What's your high line on the the playoffs, the playing game, and the Lakers? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the playing is going to be interesting. Uh, Pelicans, Spurs. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a that's going that's going to be a good one that ninth and tenth, and then you got uh, that Nets and Cavaliers. Uh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, like uh that's that's gonna be really good i like to play in teams i mean kind of looking at it you got with the clippers and the uh timberwolves the seventh and eight and then the hawks and uh hornets which is okay but we get to see Lamelo ball versus trey young uh that's that's the that's why i'm more excited about and obviously the winners play each other and then and all that but um Interested to see, like, in the West, like, you know, the Clippers get the eighth seed and then they have to play the number one seed and Paul George is back. Um, You know, like, you know, those type of uh, scenarios makes it interesting. Like, the Clippers aren't your typical eighth seed, right? Um, You know, like, the Nets, (laughs) they wouldn't be your typical eighth seed if you're number one. Like, it's just interesting. It's it's interesting, like, how it can all come about and you got some really tough teams as your eighth seed. So, like, at that point, like, you know, my question to you is, like, if, like, the Nets are an eight seed or the Clippers are an eight seed, if they win the first round, is that really an upset? Yeah, exactly. Correct, because the Clippers would play – they're the eight seed, like you said, but they would play the two seed, and the ninth and the tenth would play the Suns. So, like, what do you think about the seventh seed potentially getting knocked off, but the tenth seed, the Spurs, potentially – Playing in the first round, do you think that's fair? Or hey, you got to win the play-in game. You got to win. You know, the tenth seed can advance, and the seventh seed can be out. Right. I think you got to play. I think he's especially talking about those last two seeds. uh, I think you just definitely have to play. That's why I like to play in Um, those guys that seventh and eight because there's not much different from ninth and tenth. Uh, Correct. Correct. Be honest with you. You got to play. You got to win and play. Yeah. You got to play. Like at the end of the day, the Nets have been lost with like thirteen straight games or something crazy during the season, and you know these some of these teams just have been playing really bad. So you know, I think you got to play in to get to secure those last two spots. It's just what it is. I like I like the idea. I'm a big Mavs fan, so like if the Mavs were in it, like you know, I may have a little different view. But you know, they you put yourself in that situation. So yep. Yeah, they did. They did put themselves in that situation. So, uh, you know, the top two seeds are uh, the Miami Heat in the East and the Phoenix Suns in the West. We'll see what happens. Again, we'll get into that. Talk about our picks for NBA MVP, Rookie of the Year, all that next week with when, when Chelsea gets back on. I'm sure we're gonna give her some crap about the Lakers. Oh yeah, <laughs> she can't vote LeBron James MVP. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Lakers fell apart. Uh, again, I don't even want to talk about them, dude. Oh, it doesn't even, doesn't even, 
not even on my radar. We'll talk about it next week. But uh, let's hear jump shift to our main topic on the In the Paint show, the live period. And Ani, we, we kind of talked about the top of the show. Uh, did this time out in the spring, you know, have any noticeable differences than years past? Just what was your, your high line taking? What was the buzz in the gym like? Uh, you know, being locally at the Gasso, I mean, there was a lot of junior colleges. You had a few okay. division ones, probably about six of them. Okay. Um, it just the feel was um, everyone's excited for the live period, but I don't. I think the co- the college coaches really aren't, in my gotcha. opinion. I don't want to say all of them, but it just it just you didn't even seeing the EYBL and then UA and Adidas like yeah. There was there was guys. I mean, I was talking to players. And I was talking to parents and coaches. So like, hey, yeah, we only probably had about five coaches at our game or ten. Yeah. You know, we we may had a lot of coaches on Friday, but Saturday, Sunday dwindled uh, significantly. So it was just one of those things that it was uh, you didn't see as many coaches out uh, this mm-hmm. time. You know, guys were hosting you know uh, transfers for visits, so they yeah. didn't go out. They kept a couple guys back and. Uh, you know, like I had even coaches talk to me about how, like, you know, the 23 classes isn't very strong. Uh, you know, that got – Yeah. Right. Like, Zayden High and AJ Johnson, they blew up. And some guys, you know, held themselves, like, you know, oh, for sure. and uh, guys along that line. But um, it just – I don't – I think it's like a mixture of the 23 class. And the, the coaches' eyes just aren't as strong as especially, like, the 22s. And then these guys wanted to host these uh, transfers for visits because they want to get old. They want to go older. So yeah, better now. Yeah. So now it's like one of those things I was talking to a summer coach. I was asking, I said, so what do you tell your team? A parent? Yeah. Yeah, what do you tell a team? What do you tell a parent? Like yeah. where they're expecting to play in front of 25, 30 college coaches. Every, you know, that's yeah. the reason they chose the circuit, right? Even the, the independents, yeah. I felt, you know, they got hurt from it. But like, that's the reason they go to the circuit. Sure. So now it's like I'm not playing in front of all that. No. Nope. So does it get better? And you know, one coach doesn't really know. They think July will be better. Some sure. believe that the second live period, the 22nd to 24th, will be better. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the reality is, just a lot of uncertainty about it. You know. Yeah. Uh, so that's just kind of the climate. Of just the live period. This first live period was just it didn't feel like a live period when I was in the gym and. I wasn't the only one, especially the ones that was in Indy and the ones that were in Orlando. Yeah. So, yeah. What yeah, were you getting? Yeah, I was getting that. I saw a little bit less coaches. Now, the, the event in Vegas did have some coaches, and 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 people were jumping between L.A. And, and Vegas. But like you said, there might be 15 guys in there, maybe 12. At some point, maybe seven. And then – Toward the end, maybe five, you know, and then there's obviously NAIA that can come through at any time. Uh, shout out to Fresno Pacific. They were there watching the whole time. You know, they they, they were watching pretty much every game. So I, I want to just, you know, hard working. Like you said, I don't think what I see is the coaches are not fired up. Like, I need to get this guy. I need to get this guy. They're just kind of like, we see something, we'll watch a little bit, find our guy, we'll ask our questions, we'll ask our contacts, our trusted, what we're looking at. But man, they're like you said, they're just not all that fired up to. I'm trying to go after a 223 that we need that's going to fill a fill a void in our program. There, I, I don't see that at all, you know. And, no. and we got to be realistic. We so coaches got to be realistic. We have to be realistic on this pod, like you said. The travel coaches have to be realistic. 
What did you take, Ani, from like the parents and did the players kind of notice it? Or they're just playing and hey, we're trying to make the best of it because they're yeah. going to play anyway. They they notice it. I actually was helped. I actually helped run an unsigned senior team uh, with guys that are, uh, you know, I think are, you know, I got guys that are like fringe division one guys, probably more junior college. You know, I got some D two, some low major type guys, and yeah. uh, just kind of dealing with, uh, you know, some parents. Like I know some of the circuit teams. They kind of read, you know, it was, it was interesting. It's like, you know, now after this first weekend, these circuit teams are trying to reach out to some of these other guys, seeing what they're uh, missing. But, like, I think a lot of them are just trying to figure – they're kind of panicky a little bit, especially the unsigned. The 23s yeah. are a little pan, are, are panicky as well because they just want to know why these coaches aren't offering. Uh, that's yeah. that's just the biggest thing for them is, like, my son went for 20-some points and yeah. they didn't offer him. And we're in the Under Armour circuit. You know, yeah. just like the, you know, like why are they not? What does he have to do? And right. you know, th- those are where the the tough conversations have to be had. Uh, where it's just like they don't really care to take you right now. They don't care to look at you right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel to swallow for for many people because they've invested time before the pandemic when the kids mm-hmm. were like eleven and you, thirteen you, fifteen you. Now they get to the big stage class of 23 or or even some 22s and it's like you're on the big stage and there's not really that many people watching right you know, just, like that decision makers are just they're they're not there for this first life or maybe it'll change 22nd and 24th but that's a difficult conversation because you've invested a lot of time and money and the coaches invest a lot of their time and money and effort and, and there's going to be some bad breakups there's going to be some unhappy people there's going to be some disappointed people i don't see any way around it one hundred percent, and that's what that's one of the biggest. Uh, I just think these they're trying to figure out when it will get better, and yeah. I think for all of us, we really just don't know. Like, I think July will be better. I, yeah. I I do believe July will be better because you know the portal that that's not they're not going to be worrying about getting guys in the portal. I think they'll focus on some of the twenty threes that they want to sign in the fall or ones that they yeah. or potentially like to sign in the fall. So I think July will be better. I just don't think I don't know about April. Uh, I think yeah, correct. April is just going to be one of those weird times where you're in the middle of just this transfer portal, uh, you know, madness, yeah. madness. Yeah. <laughs> best, best. And so I think people are trying to figure out, do we do we play on the circuit? Do we go independent? Do I play yeah. on this team with this many coaches? And then you got to ask yourself, like, you know, I know uh, Dino's made a tweet. He said, yeah. you know, a lot of these circuit teams, they have an unsigned senior or two now. And now that they're they've allowed yeah. it, and yeah, I mean, some some teams have two twenty ones and two twenty twos. It's like <laughs> right, <laughs> right. That shows what where we're at. Like that's not good. right. And so and so, like I always ask these twenty twos. I'm like, okay, it yeah. sounds good that you're in the circuit, but you know, Auburn's not going over there to watch a twenty twenty two. Like oh. in the circuit, like ninety eight percent of these teams are not going to Under Armour, Adidas, or EYBL to watch an unsigned senior. No. <laughs> so, uh, it just, it just, that's just the state we're in right now. Yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah, I, I, we are just in that state. And I will be honest to people who listen to this pod. Two co- College coaches are like, we're, we're, they're tired of seeing 222s and definitely tired of seeing 221s. If they're not, the evaluation is not getting any better. Right. Them. At a higher level, uh, BCS, you know, uh, FBS, you know, the top level schools, uh, power conferences, 
they're not looking at too many 222s no. in the high school market. So let's be realistic, guys. Let's keep communicating. Choose wisely. You know, I would probably, you know, people are, and I, and then we got the scholastic period coming up, which is going to be good. Right. Why is it going to be good? Because the college coaches know what team players are on. That's one thing because they know, okay, he's going to play for Dungaville or he's going to play for, uh, you know, uh, you know, Kenny. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, he's on that team, you know, what time he's going to play and you know, you're going to watch him. Right. So it's a very good, uh, evaluation setting and it's been kind of necessary now so because of what you said was going on in the spring it's going to be very vital and very important that you know kids do well in the scholastic life period and even like you know you were at a you were at Mullen Juco event there was a Juco yeah. event uh probably yeah. about 35 minutes from uh, the field at Duckville Fieldhouse and yeah. a lot more of the division one coaches were there but a lot of the guys that have another year of junior college left, you're just like a 223, you know? Yeah. They they weren't just offering kids like that because they're more folk like the schools that go to a, a JUCO event are trying to get kids to fill a spot now more so than a kid that has another year left. Yeah. That may not yeah. be a qualified. And he doesn't have his AA. Yeah, he doesn't right. have his AA. He, they're not. They could just wait next spring for him. <laughs> exactly. They're not worried about it. So, yeah, that's very interesting. So, what do you think is the solution for the spring as it relates to the portal? Do you think it's just going to let the COVID players play themselves out, get out of the system, and it's going to go back or and rectify itself? Or do you think maybe uh, one of these live weekends should go a little later, maybe in May? You know, what what do you think the solution is on it? I, th- I think it makes sure both. I think it's time. Like you said, just let this COVID year, guys. You're going to have to let that kind of go away. But, I mean, you have the same time transfers can go on official visits. You have the yeah. live period. <laughs> so it's just it's – ne- it's never going to work the way you want it to work. Yeah. Um, there's only so, 72 hours or 48 hours in a weekend. I mean, there's only so many hours. You, coaches are traveling. They're getting on planes. Then we got the damn Southwest and uh, Blue Jet Blue and all these right. – tra- Canceling flights all over the place. Like, we got problems. Oh, 100%. It's very expensive. If you're going to watch a borderline player and the gas is $6 a gallon and you're a college coach, you're just like, you're like man, I, you know, I'm just going to stay here. I ain't going to compare to three or four years ago. Right. 100%. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe you as a scout too say, you know what? I, I can't afford to just drive over there to that event 40 miles for two games right now. It's, yeah, too, I, it's, it's, it's just not feasible compared to a few years ago when the gas was $2. Exactly. Exactly. And and the and, and the and the flight tickets were not seven eight hundred dollars. You know, and and the hotels weren't two fifty a night. <laughs> right. It affects everything. That's what I kind of see a little bit. It's affecting everything. We talked about like the refing refs are under more gun. They want to get paid a little more because of the gas prices to get to the events. Everybody's under the gun, not just the parents and the players. Like the whole industry's under the gun because of the state of the industry and also because of the cost of living and less flights, less Ubers, less, less uh, taxis available. It's just, it's, it's not as pleasant and convenient to travel as it was five years ago, Ani, just for whatever reason. I I agree. Even, even last year, I thought was so much easier to travel. Uh, 
I, I was like, hell, I see a plane ticket for $97, you know? <laughs> Let me get it. <laughs> right. Now I was like, you know, if I see a, fly, a ticket for $300, I, I feel like I'm winning. You know, and I'm going to do some traveling. Like, oh, yeah. Pango's All-American. I won't, I won't BS some deal. But, like, I yeah. even have to be smarter about, like, okay, do yeah. I spend $700 on a flight? No, and yeah. these college coaches don't even give a damn about being there. It, like, it, they're not going to call me asking about yeah. These kids, you know, like yeah. AJ Johnson, you've known him for a long time. You don't need to go down there <laughs> to watch him. $700 on a flight and then I can't get back or something. You right. know, like, or the flight gets canceled. Now I'm in in uh, Indianapolis or Orlando for four days. I mean, that happened to the Geico teams. We talked about that. Some right. of their flights got canceled. They had to stay down in Fort Myers for another two or three days. Well, Maybe for some of those teams they can handle it, but for a lot of parents, that puts a lot of pressure on you. That's a lot of money. Exactly. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Let's bring on our our guest, Aaron Bergen, a full time hoops. He was at the LA events, like while I was in the Vegas events, and, and just talk about some of the some of the things he saw, some of the things we talked about, and some of the players that he saw. Aaron, are you there? What's going on, guys? How are you guys doing? Yeah, good. good. What's Aaron, good? Jumping on. Thanks for joining the In the Paint Show. Um, Aaron, we just wanted to talk about the general feel of the live first spring live period in two years. You know, we we talked about we've talked about the portal a little bit. We've talked about we know the 222s and 223s maybe not as desirable as they were. Yeah. As rising seasons five years ago. But what did you get the sense of the events that you had? Was was that the common theme or was did something else arise? You know, obviously there was talk about, you know, the number of 2022s and postgrads who were playing in the events and yeah. how, you know, some coaches were lamenting, like there might not be spots for these guys. And, you know, that was something you kept hearing over and over and over again was, you know, great kid, great player, great talent, but, you know, we just don't have a spot for him. And yeah. you heard that over and over and over. Um, and even with the 23s, what we heard was that, you know, this log jam that we've been talking about for, yeah. you know, the last couple months, probably won't clear up until the 2020, uh, the graduating class of 2020 is out of school. So we're talking about another potential three years of just this problem piling, piling on. And those rising yeah. senior kids are the ones who are going to get impacted by it. Yeah. So Aaron, you, you, you don't mind, you don't want to see Cody Riley and these guys in college for another couple of years of eligible. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you're in college and you want to maximize your educational opportunities while, you know, getting to play some basketball, I'm not going to fault you for that, of course not. you know, but it clearly hurts the guys below who are trying to crack in. You know, it's, I, it's almost like Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory where a division <laughs> one scholarship is like this golden ticket. And there's yeah. only like a handful of them out there. And you've got all these really good players who, you know, are, you know, they're vying for that one. And it used to be, we all, I, I talked about it a couple of times on Twitter, like a guy like Makai Williams from uh, plays for the Cali Rebels who played yeah. for Capistrano Valley Christian this year. Guy like that would have been a no-brainer uh, spring signee. Yeah. You know, this weekend there were probably five or six coaches at most watching his games. Gotcha. And he was as dominant as he's been all season. And oh. that's kind of the state of where we're at right now. Yeah. And, you know, I was the same boat. I, before you came on, I told Ani that at Pangos, uh, you know, the Sweet 16, there might have been a s- 12 coaches, then seven, five. Mm. 
in that range. And then by the end of the event, there's like, you yeah. know, four. four. Yeah, correct. So we're on the same boat. What did you kind of take away from just the logistics of traveling, the cost of gas, the cost of, or, you know, is it putting a lot more pressure on the whole industry? Did you notice that? Were people trying to get, how many events did you go to? Did, were you in the car a lot or did you stay put? It's it's putting pressure on me. That's for damn sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, I I decided early on that I was going to stick to drill down on one event this weekend and really sure. try to just cover the hell out of that event versus yeah. trying to bounce back and forth. And one of the issues that we came into logistically with covering that one event was it it was at two it was at two different venues. Half yeah. the teams were playing in Orange County. The other half the teams were playing in Corona. Whoa, and, yeah. Yeah. you know, I'm not getting on the 91 freeway on a Saturday afternoon. That bitch yeah. is undefeated. It's been <laughs> undefeated for for years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I made a I made a concerted effort to get to Corona one time the weekend for yeah. eight o'clock and nine o'clock games and then dart it back down the 91 to um, open gyms location in Anaheim before traffic could pick up. And sure. even that was just like. Okay, I'm not doing this again. And yeah, every, yeah I think for everyone, the yeah. back of everyone's mind, we're in California. Yeah. You know, I, I know people are crying about $4.33 gas in Texas or, you know, yeah. in Utah, but <laughs> I'll take that in a heartbeat in California, you know, where it's, it's expensive. Yeah. It's expensive right now. And it's going and it's crazy because it's going down right now. Right. Like it's gone down 30 cents in the past like two weeks, yeah. but I'm still paying 530 versus five nine you know five sixty and it's, <laughs> it's 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 tough it's it's hard out here for a pimp you know what i mean yeah yeah for <laughs> sure and that's so, uh a lot of people that's a, a lot of like ani said that too he's not gonna travel to two three events in one weekend just not it's not feasible especially since the colleges are not really demanding hey uh, aaron AI, hey, what are you guys looking do you guys have any 222s for us any late like they're not really well and, and, and not just that either it's also because the events that we have locally are not you know a lot of the top kids aren't there so right. you know take for instance you know the wce event this weekend in irvine which yeah. i heard was well run was a quality event yeah. but you know their a teams were in, in indianapolis yeah. like all of their under armor association teams and yeah. so were their B teams, their national teams. They were all in Indianapolis. Yeah. So that meant that you had the program's third teams, a handful of really small independents were the only ones at their event. And in terms of like, you know, when you start talking about cost benefit analysis, yeah, you know, it doesn't pencil out. Right. Correct. Correct. Well, I mean, everything is not obviously some guys did well, so we don't want to dwell. We, we kind of know the problems. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get fixed. Maybe next this upcoming twenty second to twenty fourth. Maybe the summer will be better. After, but we definitely need. I was telling Ani, the scholastic period is going to help a lot of kids. We need it. They're going to need it. Section seven for sure. Yeah, section seven and the other ones across the country. It's it's going to be necessary because this is going to be a, a tough spring and parents are going to have a lot of questions, tough questions. Call you know, travel coaches are going to have to you know, suck it up and give some tough answers. Oh, because, Sorry. You know, the, the, the scholarships are not there. So, you know, it, it's, it's very tough for everybody involved. You know, um, it's funny. You mentioned, you mentioned that too about parents and their yeah. concerns. And, and I think a lot of times travel coaches are getting, you know, yeah. they, they get a bad rap even from their parents or players just wondering, okay, 
Like my kid is playing really well, yet the move the needle's not being moved right now. Like what's going on? Where you know why aren't you doing your job? And the fact is, they are. They really are. I mean, I talked to a number of coaches in San Diego. They put out calls, emails leading into the live period, just saying, "Hey, come see our players." And you know, they're doing their due diligence. It's just a matter of coaches having a lot going on right now in terms of, you know, the the visits of the kit, the portal visits. That's been a huge. That's been a huge thing. This whole the drumbeat from a lot of coaches were, you know, we've got two staff members here, uh, you know, out, and the yeah. others are back on campus, you know, hosting visits. So that wasn't a phenomenon that you had to deal with um, during previous springs. Mm-hmm. So it's sure. a, you know, so I, I always tell parents, you know. Don't be so hard on your AAU coaches. Most, for the most part, they really are trying. And, you know, if you even see one or two coaches on your sideline, know that your AAU coach is doing his job and, and, and be appreciative of it. And, you know, you're, you're absolutely right about that. And even like the coaches that they see, and maybe it's not the level that they want, but, you know, even talk about just think guys in the 23 class, even guys that are unsigned, like they need to really value what they're getting right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that it's like, you want more and I get it. Like, (laughs) I understand that, but you know, I think what, what goes on is that, Oh, I want higher. So I'm going to dismiss this Mm -hmm. right now. And then once you realize you're not going to get what you desire, you can't even go back to what was available for you you know, from the jump. And had, yeah. had that happened to a couple of kids in the last couple of years where they just like, they shined on some D2s or in, some NAIAs. And then when they realized that it wasn't the coach's fault, it's just what's out there. They tried to go back and call some of those schools and they were like, we've moved on. Wow. You know, we don't have time to wait, you know? Yeah. And so, and you know, they end up going post-grad and trying to come back this year and, and trying to figure it out. And it's like, you know, when you have something, embrace it, take it, and you make the best of it. What, yeah. what do you think of the JUCO route, like for uh, for for some of these guys that uh, you know that are looking for a four year situation, but you got JUCOs offering full rides? Man, uh, I'm all for any level of basketball that extends your career. And if a really good junior college, or even let's say if it's a junior college commensurate to your ability, because I'm not going to say like. I'm not going to say a bad juco, but you know what I mean? If it's if right. it's a juco where you can play and you can continue to get better, you can't turn that down in this environment. And honestly, you shouldn't turn it down in any environment or climate because of all of the junior college players that we're seeing getting opportunities at the D2, NAIA, and Division One level. Um, you know, I, I know there's a stigma attached to, you know, some communities where they feel that junior college is just – you know, beneath them. And, you know, the reality is that if you go into a junior college situation, one, you're paying less for your general education. You're getting two years of your education, you know, out of the way. Uh, You leave with an associate's degree, which is, you know, which is better than nothing. And then you're moving on to the next level, you know, and those who don't take, fully take advantage of it. They got to play for two years and, you know, they still got to extend their career. It's a win. It's a win-win situation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Aaron, let's talk a little bit of some of the players you thought stood out uh, or impressed okay. you or 
or you know we don't want to dwell on the whole uh, no of course ecosystem let's talk about some of the players that yeah because you know one thing i'm going to tell one one thing i'm going to tell you is the adidas gold event was actually stronger than it's been in the last couple of cycles um there was a team that came down from canada named project excellence um man they they were probably the they were probably the star of the event from the first day from saturday morning all you kept hearing coaches talk about did you see the team with like this like 26 8 canadian dudes like dunking and throwing down dunks and warm-ups i'm like okay i need to go catch them so i go i went to watch them um versus team veritas which is a really good program marquee worthy really good yeah. player um they pretty much ran away with that. They ended up winning that game by, I think, 18 points. Uh, the guy who really stood out to me, I, you know, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but Janoy Thomas, a five foot 11 um, point guard um, out of on, uh, the Ontario area. Wow. Uh, Cat Quick, the fastest guy on the floor end to end, a lefty who could finish with either hand, knock down, you know, really key jump shots for this team. When he wanted to, showed off high-level vision. I was shocked when I heard that his only um, offer or interest was Western Kentucky at this point. Uh, I was that blew me away because this is a kid that looks like, I mean, he looks like a high-major point guard, and he the way he played, you know, suggests that his recruitment will get higher as we move on into the spring, into the summer. Uh, the next one I, you know, you probably saw me tweet about a couple of times, Ronnie, was uh, Jada Matingu from yeah. uh, St. Augustine. I mean, he absolutely, he, he jumped out off the page this weekend. One of the things, you know, when you see players play different roles from high school to club, you know, yeah. you, you get to finally see what they really can do. You know, Jaden was a guy who played a very specific role for St. Augustine. He was their defensive stopper. He was their off guard. And he, you know, he found his points, you know, either offensive rebounding, you know, timely jump shots, or occasionally as like the secondary ball handler. With the game point team, he's playing more of a secondary to primary ball handler role. And he's grown. He's physically stronger. He's an explosive, I would say, borderline elite athlete. I mean, they're throwing him. They're running lob plays for their six foot three point guard, and he's finishing with his elbows at the uh, top. I mean, it's like (laughs) serious, you know. And and the one knock he's had as a player over the years was can he shoot? And he's like, you know, had a couple of step back threes that were the highlight variety. So he probably was the fastest riser of the group. This is a guy that I think really helped his recruitment out a lot. Uh, Nick Kamenia, Nicholas Kamenia from Harvard Westlake, a freshman who's playing 16 and under for BTI select. Wow. He's a problem. Uh, six, seven, his dad was a player. Um, you know, so you can tell he's got the fundamentals down. I mean, you know, very efficient shoots it. I mean, beautiful jump shot, knocks down shots from three levels, really engaged defender and a really good teammate. And just, it, you know, I'm looking at him. I'm like, man, like, this put he screams like west coast conference like all conference you know guy from the start but you know i could also see a a lot of high major programs falling in love with a kid like this especially as a rising sophomore you know with those type of ball skills at that size and being able to defend Mm -hmm. you know big time big time great uh 
And then I would say the other one too, uh, you know, Jaden Matinga's teammate, Martin Gumwell. Um, I would say lead, you asked me guys who improved or surprised me. I think his improvement really jumped off the charts. I mean, this is a guy who you and I have watched over the past, you know, three years. And, you know, he couldn't walk and shoot bubblegum at the same time as a freshman playing. You know, yeah. last year playing 17s was a struggle for him as a rising sophomore. But he had one game where he had eight blocks in the first half. And wow. it was against Project Excellence, the team with the six-foot-eight yeah. guys. Yeah. They're coming in high-flying, and he's just, you know, he, he pinned one block shot above the circle. It's just like what? <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just, it, you yeah. know, seven, six eleven. You know, very long, athletic, aggressive rebounder. I mean, he's pursuing rebounds all the way out to the three point line. Uh, elite rim protector. His offense is still a work in progress, but I think yeah. coaches saw enough of the improvement. You know, Pepperdine pulled the trigger that weekend, so he, he picked him. Yeah, picked up a Pepperdine offer. So I, I think those were some of the big standouts um, for me. That Project Excellence team, there's about four other guys that I can name, and I'll butcher their, you know, mispronounce yeah. all of their names. Yeah, let's just, we'll just watch them later in the spring or so. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> you know, the, interest, the interesting thing about that Project Excellence team, talking to their head coach, yeah. a lot of these guys, like I think Nigel Hilton was one that he um, named specifically. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was the MVP of, uh, I think, the Pangos Frost Off Camp in Chicago a few years back. Okay. And they haven't been playing because as strict as some people think that California or other states have been with COVID-19 regulations, Canada has been even way yeah. more strict. And yeah. so a lot of these guys were considered top-tier talents, and they haven't played in like a year and a half or two years. Literally haven't played. Literally yeah. haven't played. So yeah. now yeah. they're getting back on the circuit for the very first time. A lot of our guys have been playing throughout the pandemic. These guys mm -hmm. haven't. And so, yeah. you know, when he told me that they were just trying to get the rust off during a 4-0 weekend where they <laughs> beat teams by like, you know, the only only close game they had was the game point game where they beat yeah. game point 55-51. Other than that, they were just blowing teams out the gym. That's a – that's a testament to how talented that group is. They've got about five to six guys who are going to, you know, have a chance at getting Division I um, looks in this environment. In this environment, yeah, in the COVID environment. <clears throat> yes. I heard that. I, uh, Dino's had a Pangos Canada camp in 2018, and we know who Taryn Todd is. He went to, to Finley before the program shut down. He was kind of like the player that emerged there. But mm -hmm. they had a bunch of young players, and I said, you know, these guys are good. Some of them are pretty good. They have a chance. Mm -hmm. They were like 223s, 222s. Yep. Those guys literally, I, I heard it, you know, some of them stopped playing ball. They had nowhere to play. Yep. Like literally schools are closed, playgrounds are closed. Like, so yeah, we didn't yeah, have playground. I mean, it was yeah. like LA, it was like LA the first couple of months of the pandemic where they had like the you know yeah. the things on the rims so that you couldn't yeah. play, you couldn't shoot yeah. on yeah. the yeah. courts. They had that in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they've had that for the past like 18 months. So yeah. <laughs> you know. A lot of guys, a lot of guys haven't had an opportunity to actually hoop or get better. But like when you look at a team like Project Excellence and watch them, it's just like, man, imagine when they get going in July. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be, it's gonna be insane. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So this it's been an insane couple of weeks. I'm sure, Aaron. Uh, let people know where you're gonna be at 
uh, the next couple of weeks and uh, let people know where they can find your work and, and, and follow you on Twitter. All right. So next, uh, in a couple of weeks, April 22nd and 24th, I'm going to be really focusing on uh, the SoCal Live event that's being held by EHA, which is backed by the Cali Rebels and uh, Southern California Academy, the Cali Stars. Yeah, uh, They're billing it as the largest independent um, tournament or the best independent t- tournament in the country. I think Gasso in Texas might have uh, a say about that, too, because I think Gasso in Duncanville is going to be really good. Sure. But looking forward to seeing a lot of those teams and a few teams that you saw in Vegas this weekend, Ronnie, yeah. that I didn't get a chance to. Players Play, which yeah, is a Diego based program. Yeah. Um, heard a lot of good things about how Ryan Enos played. Um, so oh, yeah. Cathedral Catholic. Yeah. You know, yeah. a guy who didn't play much at all on Cathedral Catholic's roster this year who could be a potential all-CF guy down here next year. I mean, that's going to be yeah. – he'll make a big leap. Uh, you know, looking forward to seeing the Cali Stars. They always have a group of talented kids. And, you know, I think Julius probably of anyone in in Southern California right now, Julius has been able to kind of navigate the COVID waters the best in terms yeah. of making sure that his kids – you know, end up at the at the appropriate level. Um, you know, he had a he had a slew of guys go Division One last year, so looking forward to seeing that. Also, yes. looking forward to seeing FOH Seattle. Um, I think they have a kid, Ben Mars, the six eleven kid, who's gotten a lot of um, interest and offers, and he looks like he's going to be really, you know, sought after over the next uh, in the next couple cycles. So I'm looking forward to seeing them. And then I'll be at the West Coast Elite Tournament this weekend, and you know I'll maybe be at the stage. Um, I saw a lot of the stage teams this weekend, so may not have an opportunity to get back to there. Um, But if you want to follow me on Instagram or social media, it's Fulltime Hoops 1. I also write for Prep Hoops Southern California, so you can find a lot of my my stuff there. Um, Yeah, generally, I'm a pretty nice guy. I talk a lot about basketball. (laughs) You can avoid my political takes if you want. It's fine, but... uh, (laughs) That's that's, that's me. Okay. Gotcha. Well, appreciate it, Aaron. Thank you for coming appreciate on. Let us know what what you're up to and and what you saw. But I, I think we're on the same boat. It's it's going to be a difficult spring for 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 two twenty twos. Definitely trying to get somewhere in two twenty twos or navigating the waters. But hopefully, it'll get back to a normal type of ecosystem maybe in a couple of years. Looking forward to it. Okay. Right. Thanks, Aaron. Talk to you Thanks soon. You guys. Take care. Bye. So you see there, uh, full time daddy. Like you say, you follow him at full time. Hoops one, and uh, you know he does a lot of great things for San Diego players, and he's mm-hmm. right. You know that kid Ben Eels is one of the best players. Uh, Ryan Eels, I'm sorry, from, from six foot eight from Cathedral Catholic on the players play. Um, they they won the 16U uh, championship at the Pangos Street 16 over the Factory Arizona. Mm-hmm. The other kid they had was Pearson Carmichael from Summit High School in Ben Oregon, six foot six. Those guys are really good 224 players. The factories had a very small group. Kenny Mullins had a very small group, meaning numbers. They only had six guys, and one guy was was hurt. Uh, Khalil Kelly from Wilson uh, Canyon High in in Sunrise. Uh, Terrific young point guard, 225. Uh, he, he tweaked his ankle, but then he played on Sunday morning. He scored 13 points, three second half threes. Um, he did really well. You know, uh, that team is really good. I wanted to, uh, run down them a little bit again. I'm just reading straight from my notes 
So uh, bear with me as I just read their their names. I'm not, you know, I'm just grabbing it straight from 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 my pages. Uh, like you said, we said Khalil Cali, the two twenty five point guard, about six one six two, really good player. Uh, I thought their best player all around was Noah Su Suwami, Paradise Valley last year, but he's going to most likely be at Pinnacle High School in Arizona, 224. He's originally from South Carolina. Well, when we get a player like him, Ani, um, <laughs> on the West Coast, especially in Arizona, even a little bit in California, when you see an athlete like that, you know he's not from there. Like, we know <laughs> <laughs> He could move in his twitch and like his explosiveness. Like Arizona players don't, you don't see that a lot from Arizona kids, like uh, an abundance. Now, obviously, there's a Chase Budinger, there's Jared Bayless here and there, you know, Jahi Carson, but overall, you don't get a player like that. He just kind of explodes off the page, you know, uh, does a little bit of everything. His name is Noah Sawumi. I want to make sure I'm saying that right. Most likely, he'll be at Pinnacle. Braylon Johnson, who's uh, related to Puff Johnson, and he's related oh, yeah. to the other Johnson on the on the Suns. So he's in town. Uh, Braylon's a pretty good. He's a pretty good prospect. He's at Pinnacle, six six two twenty four. Uh, they also have a big guy, Ring Nairi. He was at Liberty High School, two twenty four. Again, these are all Arizona players from the factory. Kenny Mullins, longtime AU coach. Their sixteen U team. They lost to that players play team. And the players play team, as we as Aaron mentioned, their best players. You know, let me let me uh, give that rundown just one more time, in case people missed it. Again, I'm I'm. If you hear me shuffling through my notes, I'm just reading straight from my notes. I'm not, I'm I know you not, have a lot of notes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to be cute and memorize it. And, uh, I'm just gonna go straight from the notes. Uh, they're in the champions. They also have Blake Davidson, uh, who plays at Modern Day. He's uh, Nick Davidson's brother. 225, six foot six. Uh, you know, Carmichael Pearson, as we mentioned, he's a really good player in Oregon. And Ryan Enos, who was kind of the star of the show. Ryan Enos, him and Naomi are uh, the best players that, like, wow, stood out and really mm -hmm. did some things. Ryan Enos, as, as Aaron mentioned, is at Cathedral Catholic High School in San Diego. So he's another 224. So, Aaron, I actually got, you know, as Aaron did. And again, he saw that Canadian team, but I got a lot more out of watching the 16s and, and the young guys than I did. Like, I, I really don't want to. I don't see much improvement and much difference in the 222s. I, a little bit in 223s, but like I, 222s are not improving since since the CIF or UIL season. I don't think much. Right, right. Kind of the same. So uh, did you want to give some of the rundown? Well, as I get a few more notes of, of some of the guys that you saw, even maybe some of the younger guys at the event. Yeah, so the twenty-five class in this Gasso event was pretty good. You had Southern Assault. They had a they had a kid out of Austin, uh, Hudson Greer, uh, about six-five, yeah. uh, bouncy, plays hard, can shoot it. Yeah. Uh, kind of reminds me of Matthew Mayer, like a more athletic Matthew Mayer at the same time. Yeah. Uh, really, really talented. I think he's the I think he's the most he's the best basketball player. And arguably the best prospect on that twenty-five group. Uh, they got a kid from Duncanville. Uh, we talked. I talked about Duncanville. Have some young guys. Uh, Caden uh, Edwards, uh, okay. talented, about six-two, six-one, six-two. Really more of an off guard, but lefty that scores it. Uh, really pure stroke from the from from deep, and 
Um, just, you know, can just fill it up. You know, he can really fill it up. I thought he was, uh, he was good. Uh, still needs to work on like, you know, just his decision-making, but you see it. You, he didn't play much with Duncan, but obviously they were so damn loaded, yeah, too but just to see him like in a larger role and, and remember what he can do offensively, you see what the promises and what the role can be for next year. Uh, especially now that they need another guard to complement with Eric Demings. Um, uh, for San Antonio future. So San Antonio, that 2025 class is very interesting. They're really good. They played in the 17U division. So did uh, that Southern Assault 15s. Yeah. Uh, they got a kid, Kingston Fleming, so 2025, uh, about six foot, really can score the basketball, high field, like floater game, you know, like stop, uh, stop and pop, like just a really, like, I think he's a kid that has a high major chance down the road. Right. Um they have another kid. Uh, I have to look at my notes. I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna go like you. Um, yeah. My notes uh, are. Dar- go uh, ahead. Uh, Daryl Banks. Uh, 2025, like a six-five-six-six wing. Uh, saw him like you know make shots off catch and shoot, attack a closeout, and uh, you know he's a good athlete. Um, he was just interesting for me. Uh, just seeing a kid that you know has a has a chance to really like get better down the road. I, I'm interested to see how he develops. Uh, There's a 2026. He went to that Pangos uh, Junior All-American <laughs> Camp Isaiah Ward. Uh, he was playing in the 17U. He just, I mean, wow. it, yeah. That's what <laughs> like, I like to hear. That's what yeah. I like to hear. Well, Donnie, I want to ask you that. Why are so many top-notch 224s playing 16s? I don't know. Like, yeah, I think know. I think people are top telling them to guys. dominate. They're telling yeah. them to dominate their age group. Okay, and that's what's going to help them. But okay. to me, yeah. especially in the the twenty three class, isn't that strong? Yeah, a lot of I'm surprised a lot of like circuit teams aren't getting these really strong twenty fours. And yeah. the twenty five class is strong too, so they have a lot of depth. So yeah. if, I don't know. It's like if you keep, if you get a twenty four to play with the twenty threes, I feel like there's enough twenty. If you need to fill a spot, I feel like there's a twenty five to fill that void. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of depth within the twenty four and twenty five class. I, I think there's no problem getting players. Yeah, I, I just I see some top fifteen guys. Yeah, guys are getting big time scholarships in two twenty four, and they're playing sixteens. Right. <laughs> so when I hear your guy from Austin, uh, you know, from from San Antonio or whatnot, is he from San Antonio or Austin? Yeah, he's from San Antonio. San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, he's playing. 226 playing 17s, like that's mm-hmm. a guy I want to watch. Right. You know, right. I don't want to see, like that's <laughs> exactly. I want to see him. You know what I mean? Like, I want right. to see more of him. And I saw him obviously at the at the Pangos Journal American, but I want to see him in that in that setting. Yeah, like the physicality and everything wasn't yeah. an issue. Uh I thought he held his own just fine. Like, obviously, like the speed could be a little bit too much for him. Uh <laughs> But man, I mean, he was he was one of the most impressive kids in that whole weekend there. Uh just make him look impressive. You know what I mean? Right. He so, doesn't have to have an A1 game. Even if he plays a B B game, he's gonna look good because he's right. 226 or 225 if there's another kid that's playing 17. So guys, if you can play two seventeens and you're good enough, show that you're good enough. Play 17. Right. Especially yeah. this spring and this summer, you ain't gonna get, ain't gonna be no coaches walking over to your fifteen and you game. No, <laughs> no, it's not happening. No. So play seventeen if you can. Uh, let me go over a few of the other names that I saw. Uh, EBO has seventeen. You had a good player again. They had a two twenty five. He's one of the best freshmen in California, Kalinga High School. His name is Julius 
Oloranju. I hope I didn't butcher his name too much. Six three six four shooter. He's uh got a really good chance. He's like a mid major, uh low low major plus. Uh, really good. His dad's a junior college coach. He's a really good player. Tyus Paris Tillman, two twenty two out of Clovis West. He had a really good high school season. You know he can maybe go low D one, high D two. Mike Davis, really good rebounder at San Joaquin Memorial, where he played with Sandy uh, Fresno State bound Joe, Joe Hunter. Michael Davis is a powerful player, uh, a little bit undersized for his position, but a power forward that can do a lot of good things. Uh, Henry Madden, the two twenty three, is also a good player uh, there in the in the central section. He's at Central High School, so EBO had some good players. Again, I'm just going over uh, page by page what I see. Probably the best guard overall, hard to guard, 17U in Las Vegas, Tavi Jackson, Las Vegas High School. Kind of always been off the beaten path a little bit, but he's really good. Uh, he's a good rebounder, one of the best rebounding guards I've seen in a while. Mm. He can score. He's got to keep working on the uh, consistency of his jumper, but he can do everything. He can run a team. He's, he moves well, changes directions well sees the court like no other, you know, and he can see he's a, a step ahead. He kind of plays, reminds me of former uh, NBA player Fat Lever as a guard rebounding. Like ah, that. that's a throwback. Yeah, a great guard. Kind of like you look at his body and you're like, you know, he's strong. He doesn't have that silly, uh, like slender frame. He's kind of a little thick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at uh, Colorado State has the inside track on him. He's probably going to end up at that level. So, yeah. so, so look out for him, uh, Tavi Jackson, really good player. Again, I'm just shuffling through my notes here. Uh, Brevin Binder or Bender, Brevin Bender from Mountain View High School in Meridian, Idaho, played for Idaho Premier 16U, 224 athletic, and he could defend. He's one to watch. Again, that's Idaho Premier 16s. Um, and I'm just flipping through my notes, wanted to mention some guys. Uh, I'm going to stick to the younger guys. Philip Luada, 225, big kid from Congo, 15s there in Utah. I thought he did a good job. And, again, I'm just going page by page. I'm not really uh, – we, we mentioned the players. Player, they won the 16U, which was the most impressive division and the most impressive game. Salt Lake Rebels won the 17U. Um, another 16U, prominent elite. Lance Stevenson, not him, but a guy who sounds his, pronounces his name like Lance Stevenson. <laughs> L-A-N-T-Z Stevenson. He's at Coronado High School, 225, 6'6". Good player. And Mason Abidin, he's also at Coronado. He's a really good shooter, 225. They're, again, prominent elite uh, in Vegas. Uh, you know, again, we're just going note by note. I don't want to try to just want to try to mention as many guys as I can. Raiden Thorson, I thought was a good player for simply fundamental for Coach Locke's team and a well-known independent team. Um, Salt Lake Rebels Red. Uh, I just thought Isaac Garrett played really well from Pleasant Grove High School. He's a mid-major level player. Uh, he can do a little bit of everything, skill. He's crafty. He can score inside. He probably was overall top to bottom the two, the best two twenty three in the tournament. So on that note, I think that that wraps up that. Um, you know, again, we can talk about what we saw, right? And also, like 
oh, you know, the coaches, the portal. But we, we did want to mention it. We, we're glad Aaron Bergen came on and talked about some of the players he saw and what he saw. I think it kind of mirrors what we mean me, me you saw in terms of, like, the feel, the, right. the, the overall lack of uh, depth of coaches. But we also wanted to talk on this pod about the players. And that's right. what we're here to talk about, the positive attributes of the players. Right. Like, in, in a couple of notes, a couple of guys that I got to see, like, in uh, – Online, uh, and my guy, Mark Hooper, Mark Hooper, we kind of were talking, exchanging notes. JoJo Tugler uh, plays for uh, Houston Hoops. Uh, athletic, 6'8", plays hard as hell. Uh, high major school has been calling me about him. Uh, I, think yeah. he's, I think he's going to really get into high major recruitment. Jace Posey, who's uh, uh, who's my man? Is it James Posey who played in the James NBA? James Posey from the yeah. Miami Heat. James Posey's son. Uh yeah, uh, like a six four, hardworking, defensive, athletic kid, and he shot the ball back. Like when I saw him at the TCU Elite Camp in August, uh, yeah. I didn't see the shooting like that, yeah. but uh, shooting it better, you know, hitting open shots. I, th- I think he TCU offered. Uh, I know uh, his his recruitment is getting to be in that high major. Uh, some of the uh, main ones like Cooper Flag from the team out in Maine, you know. Oh, like a big wings, just talented as shit. I mean, that, <laughs> it's just it's just incredible. Like he's one kid that like he has no business playing fifteens. Uh, <laughs> that <was> Cooper Flag. <laughs> so, uh, have you seen the Boozer, the Bruiser Brothers, the Boozer? Yeah, that was my next ones. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, dominated. Yeah. Uh, you know, like they are so much further ahead than all those kids. Uh, they were just really, they're really good. Um, Jalen Pitt, uh, he goes to Dream City. He, I saw him on teams. I think he's a kid that's originally from Canada, uh, mm-hmm. and I got to see him when they played in the RJ Hampton uh, Classic. He's he was really good. Uh, Chris Johnson from JL three was good. Um, I thought he was better than what I saw him at the circuit uh, this past, the, the previous weekend. And uh, yeah, those are just a couple of kids that really came. Drew Steffi for Pro Skills, the yeah. uh, Texas Tech commit. He was really good. Um, you know, uh, and Proskis had a three and one weekend. Uh, guys like they picked up T. John Brown, who's like a, who played at Kimball, who's like a real scrappy guard. I think averaged about eight assists in uh, in the first session. Um, you know, just a couple guys just that really stood out to me. Ron Holland, of course. You know, sure. we um, talked about Ron earlier. He's maybe mm-hmm. battling for a top three, you know, top three player in the class. So, Caden uh, Cooper, last one. Caden Cooper didn't get to see him, but uh, I saw him at the circuit. Uh, with Team Trey Young, they're an indie. He's been blowing up. Uh, about a bunch of power fives been offering him. Athletic wing, I mean, just like a freak. Uh, really yeah. good in transition, rebounds well, and uh, shooting's coming along. Uh, just just in his live dribble game is too. So, uh, yeah, those are a couple of kids just want to highlight. Like you said, some yeah. positives about some of these players that have really helped themselves. Uh, Correct. This weekend. And regardless of what we're saying about the the logistics and the cost of travel, the cost of running an event. Like there's still great kids out there. They're getting scholarships. That's what our pod's all about. So we want to thank you guys for tuning in this week. I think we're about to wrap it up. Again, we, we, we try to talk as many good players as we can. I'm really interested to see like who the 225, like is Boozer. Caden, uh, I believe is the, you know, the bigger one. Uh-huh. Like, are they the top two guys in 225 already? Like, you know, we, we, and, and one of them is going to have to be the my national freshman of the year. So we're going to see which one shakes out. We're going to have that coming up soon. Uh, Mr. Basketball USA still needs to be decided between, you know, the top player in the country, uh, the top junior in the country. And then this is based on their high school season, obviously. 
and in how good you know how good right. they are so that look for that soon go to dot com I, you know i i gave a rundown of the national champs uh duncanville and the other national champs in previous seasons i have a big long uh you can go back and look at national champs from all kind uh, till the 1920s <laughs> even segregated schools had national champs i, I don't know wow. if you knew that why well, did not know like, that in the prairie view uh in texas was segregated so the segregated uh black schools in, up until uh, the Brown and Board of Education came down in 1954, but schools were still segregated until like 1967 across the country, maybe until the early 70s, literally. Like, I mean, so segregation was supposed to end and then obviously the civil rights movement came in, in 1964, but like there still was a black Negro tournament. They call it the National Negro Tournament until like 67. So there's a bunch of st stuff you can look at on ballslife.com and look at all the national champs from, you know, when schools were not segregated after that, and, and, and the black schools had their own tournament, which was a great tournament. Yeah, it started like in uh, from 1929 to 1967. Wow. <laughs> a little bit of stops in between with like the World War II and stuff like that. But they had their own great own good tournament. It was uh, really awesome to learn about that. You know, I wish there was more information about it. I, I do have some information because I'm a nut job. But, you know, like, <laughs> everybody, not a lot of people don't know about that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I had no idea. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really cool. So it's on ballislife.com. Uh, you know, we'll have some end of the season stuff. All American, our elite All American team, all that. So, yeah, you know, uh, that tournament. Just to give you the rundown real quick, uh, it took place from 1929-67. It was at held at Hampton Institute, which is now Hampton University, Gary, Indiana. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fayetteville College in North Carolina, Tennessee State for many years, 1945 to 1965, and then at Alabama State the last two years. And it, it was known as the Southern Interscholastic Basketball Tournament from 1949 to 1967. So very wow. great information there. Yeah. Then, you know, what people don't understand, people are like, mostly people look at Will Chamberlain as the uh, first big national recruit who was going to get paid by a lot of colleges to go anywhere he wanted. Villanova was going to give him jewelry and <laughs> X, Y, and Z. And like he's, cause before that colleges were kind of looked at, like you went to the college, your parents did, or the college oh. that like, you know, there were scholarships and stuff, but it was kind of like, uh, what do you call it? Like a lineage thing. Mm -hmm. you, know, like you went to the college where you knew people, your parents knew people where they, there was money, but Will Chamberlain kind of blew that out of the water. Like every college wanted him across the country. And every college was willing to pay whatever the price was. <laughs> it was really big because he was like the first national big time recruit, like mm -hmm. a huge recruit, you know. And and that was obviously a year after Brown versus Board of Education kind of ended, supposed to ended, you know, everybody got eco education. Right. So in that time frame, Ani, it's not like when you say a school got consolidated, kind of like Beaumont United, right? Beaumont United recently got consolidated a few years ago, Beaumont High School. Back then when like an all-black school uh, got ended, it's not like they preserved the artifacts like they do for buildings. You get what I'm saying? They just, yeah, bulldozed, yeah, yeah. Those, they just bulldozed those buildings down. Right. You know, like. So yeah, like it just wasn't nothing. Yeah, well, like it wasn't nothing. Okay, you guys want to end segregation? Get rid of this school. Wow. You know, so it's like a lot of artifacts, a lot of yearbooks, a lot of newspapers, black newspapers, some of that stuff's lost. 
or you got to really, really, really dig for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, or you got to do the story by the mouth. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know. Correct. So there's a lot of stuff in the Alabama, Texas, Mississippi, where it's like when segregation supposedly ended, we know it didn't really end until a few uh-huh. two years later. Like, those schools were just like, the, the information is lost. So I've tried to dig. I wish I could dig more. I wish I had time to not work and just dig more. But, I mean, look, I, we got to continue on this spot. We got to move forward and help the young kids. So we appreciate you listening every week. Again, we, you can still use that one-time discount code, shop.ballslife.com, 15% off your next order. Uh, the independent discount code is P-A-I-N-T-1-5. Make sure you check out our other podcasts on the Balls Knife Podcast Network on YouTube. Uh, you know, Kicks of Your Life, Noble and Rouge, Unapologetic, Buckets and Breakdowns. Again, for episode 125, I think that wraps us up. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching on YouTube. But till next time, we're out of here. All right, peace. Peace.